Exurgat Deus et disipentur inimici eius, et fugiancio deruntium afacia eius. Let God arise, and let his enemies be scattered, and let all those who hate him flee from before his face. I was digging into sacred scripture, and I stumbled on something. It caused me to look up a few other things. Kind of a fan. That Catholic prophecy, the way prophecy works in scripture, a lot of the times you have to look at it after the fact. And so I'm going to give you all a, a good little bit of a chuckle after a manner. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. Let's get started with a prayer. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Sancta Michael Arcangela, defendenos in Proelio. Contra nequitiamit insidias, diabolias do praesidium. Imperatili deus supplicas debracamur, tuque princeps militae calestis, satanam aliosque spiritus malignos que ad perditionum animarum, pervegantur in mundo divina virtute, in infernum de trude. Amen. Speculum justitiae, ora pronobis. Mater dolorosa, ora pronobis. Beatus Carolus et domo Austriae, ora pronobis. Domine, ostende facium tuum et salvierimus, Ave Maria Purissima, Immaculata Conceptio Est. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. So, <clears throat> doing something I don't normally do. I was watching a vortex. And it's interesting that... The Vortex was about uh, Cardinal O'Malley out of Boston. And he said that, the, that O'Malley diagnosed the symptom of the problem in the church being the, being the sex abuse of minors. And Voris says the root of that abuse is the admission of homosexuals into the clergy. <clears throat> And he says there's a small number of priests who abuse minors, 80% of which are, are adolescent boys, uh, boys between the ages of 13 and 18. However, <clears throat> there's also the rampant abuse of seminarians and the um, openly homosexual relationships in some cases and the closeted homosexual relationships of many priests. Vis a vis Monsignor Grinder of recent fame. <clears throat> I'll tell you right now that homosexuality in the in the priesthood is also a symptom. In the way that the sex abuse of minors is gangrene, and the wound is homosexuality. But the disease that causes the gangrene and the wound is a lack of faith, supernatural faith. The fact is, many of the bishops do not have supernatural faith. And it's obvious, it's going to be more obvious as Traditionis Custodis and the resultant responsia to, uh, responsa to supposed dubia unfold 
in America and around the world. And it's interesting because I now want to tell you a story out of prophecy coming from the apocalypse of St. John the Beloved. Chapter 12. And a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. And being with child, she cried, travailing in birth, and was in, and was in pain to be delivered. And there was seen another sign in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns, and on his heads seven diadems. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to be delivered, that when she should be delivered, he might devour her son. And she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with an iron rod. And her son was taken up to God and to his throne. This is the history. And the son was taken up to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared by God. This is also history too. That there should feed, that they should feed her a thousand two hundred sixty days. Twelve hundred sixty days. Now we obviously know that the man-child who was to rule the nations with an iron rod is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And that our Lord and Savior was taken up to God and to his throne. And the woman, the church, fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared by God, the desert fathers, etc. That there they should feed her a thousand two hundred sixty days. And there was a great battle in heaven, and Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels. And they prevailed not, neither was their place found any more in heaven. Now this is also history. Because the 1,260 days roughly equates from the battle that Constantine had the dream in Hoc Signo Vinces to the Council of Trent and the promulgation of the Roman Catechism in Europe. 1,260 years. Now, I don't know where the markers are precisely, and I know that God's a little bit loose, plus or minus three to four years. Because his marker is not necessarily a public event. It might have actually been something that happened silently that nobody recorded. And there was a battle in heaven. And Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his fought and his angels. And they prevailed not, neither was there any place found any more in heaven. And that great dragon was cast out, that old serpent who was called the devil and Satan, who seduceth the whole world. And he was cast unto the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now has come salvation and strength, and the kingdom of our God, and the power of his Christ, because the accuser of our brethren is cast forth, who accused them before God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of the testimony. And they loved not their lives unto death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, that, and you that dwell therein, therein. 
Woe to the earth and to the sea, because the devil has come down unto you having great wrath, knowing he hath but a short time. And when the dragon saw that he was cast unto the earth, he persecuted the woman who brought forth the man-child. Which was roughly the same time as the Protestant Revolution. There's some staggering in the years, and this is the thing that you have to kind of keep in mind. It's not that the devil was cast down 1,260 years later, because we know that there were the various heresies and all of the misunderstandings, but we also know that there's a point where we reach the Middle Ages and everything sort of reached peak Christianity, peak Christendom. And then, near the edge, as is humanity's want, we started to get sloppy. We started to get lazy, even unto the clergy, all the way up to the Pope. Which brought the rise of Martin Luther and Protestantism. And Protestantism, over the course of the next 500 years, would chisel away at Christendom. Until finally, we are where we are today. One of the reasons why it's very difficult to kind of, particularly it's like God gives us the numbers and then it's like, well, we, this should be easy. We should be able to calculate from here to here. And the reason why you can't figure the day or the time is because what actually anchors those points are spiritual happenings, things that happen piece by piece here and there that kind of shift around. So we are all, we are all well aware of the abomination of desolation that took place in October of 2019 and then opened up the world to this crisis that is an unleashing of unprecedented despotism and tyranny worldwide. Now, the devil is quoted, according to uh, reliable sources vis-a-vis -vis, vis -vis exorcists, as having a short time, God is about to take his power away. We know that God is about to take his power away, and this is actually part and parcel with very likely anchored in there somewhere, or at least loosely tied to the vision of Pope Leo XIII that caused him to compose the St. Michael's Prayer. We know that it's been approximately 100 years. It, it, and, and again, these events are kind of staggered, which is what makes, because we don't know exactly where all of these points are pinned into. Was it the vision of, was it at the point of the vision of Pope Leo XIII? Or was the vision of Pope Leo XIII a vision of something that was to come to pass shortly? We don't know where these points are anchored. We know that God gave the devil 100 years, and that seems to pan out from roughly 1917 until roughly 2017. Roughly. Because in truth, the chaos actually started to come to pass probably circa 1908 and ran from 1908 to 2008. It may have even been delayed. The devil might actually have started in 1921. All the rest of his plans 
I mean, it might be 1921, might have been 1929. Who knows? It might have been even been 1931. Because keep in mind that the request for the popes to consecrate Russia to the Immaculate Heart of Mary came in 1929, and the vision the and the appearance of our Lord to uh, Sister Lucia came in 1931. And in 1931, our Lord said, given the fact that the popes that the popes have chosen the path of the King of France, kings of France, they'll share the same fate. And it's very possible that it was 1931 that actually locked everything in. That's what makes it difficult to measure because we don't, because we know the times. We know we've been given a season. We know the period that it's supposed to fall into. But you can very clearly see that there are elements that we don't know that tend to shift from year to year. Here's what I do know Christendom was given 1260 years of peace, by and large. But there's also something to be said about the number 1,260. 1,000, of course, means a large era. It means the entirety, a whole, an entire. So the whole church on that end. Of course, simultaneously, you have 12. 12, which is the number of full maturation. Twelve apostles, twelve tribes, full maturation. <clears throat> twelve hundred would mean an era, uh, again, another time period, a full time of maturation. For all men, which is where you get six times ten, or sixty. The reason why I anchored it from Constantine to roughly the Council of Trent is because that is the approximate time period, and that was the time period in which they needed to actually put out a document that covered the fullness of the faith, a book that you can follow and achieve not just that cursory salvation of having never offended, having never um, defied the Ten Commandments, but the higher salvation taught by our Lord. And I should say the not condemnation versus these versus the perfection. Holy Mother Church has promulgated the has promulgated the Roman Catechism from the Council of Trent, and they've declared it to be infallible. In fallible, which means that there is no other book except for sacred scripture onto which you can form your entire life. And this is actually the key. They have basically said that the, that the sum total of the dogma and the traditions of the faith can be found in the books that came out of the Council of Trent. Can be found in the decrees from the Council of Trent. 
can be found in the Roman Catechism as promulgated by the Council of Trent and can be found as shortly thereafter, roughly 1572, 1,260 years later, from the Inhoc Signo Vincius of Emperor Constantine, who would then convert to Christianity and then convert the empire to Christianity. 1,260 years. to when the mass of the ages was codified and promulgated. That means, in a nutshell, the Missale Romanum of Pope Pius V, Pope Saint Pius V, and the Pontificale Romanum, with the Quo Primum, is the fullness of the expression of the faith. Now, you could make an argument that the 1962 is inferior to the 1955, and that case can absolutely be made. But it is of minimal importance. What is important is that the pre-Vatican II documents, the pre-Vatican II catechism, the pre-Vatican II Liturgy is the fullness of the expression of the mature Catholic faith. And anything else has to go through the test of time. And the Missale, what is it? What do they call it? And the Novus Ordo Misse, in all of its subsidiary books are clearly insufficient. Almost all of the bishops who are in the USCCB right now are post-Vatican II bishops. You want to know where their faith is? Their faith died with the Second Vatican Council. They didn't have an opportunity. They never had a chance. You want to know what the core of the pedophilia problem is in the priesthood? What the homosexuality problem is in the priesthood? It's because these are the priests and bishops of the, of the post-Marxist sexual revolution. The post-Bunini evisceration of Holy Mother Church. So no, Gary Michael Voris, you did not touch the root cause, the core of the disease. You're still touching a symptom. You're still talking about a symptom. And that's a fact. The symptom is not, excuse me, the disease is not 
homosexuality. The disease is not sexual abuse in the church. The disease is neither of those two things. The disease is the fact that none of these priests and none of these bishops who engage in these things and who cover up for these things actually believe the one holy Catholic and apostolic faith. They don't actually believe that it is God and Christ on the judgment seat at the final judgment in the last day in their particular judgment or otherwise. They don't believe anybody goes to hell. And in effect, whether or not they figured it out yet, because if nobody goes to hell, then there was no point to Christ dying on the cross. And many of them don't even believe that he died on the cross. I'd be willing to bet. And those who do believe are some of the same people who are willing to blaspheme and suggest that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ was a homosexual. That the apostles, any of the apostles, were homosexuals. And this is evident from the likes of Father James Martin and everybody who teaches that the creation story in Genesis is just an allegory, that there may not have actually been an actual Adam and Eve. Bull crap. The church has always believed that God created Adam. And from Adam, God created Eve. And from Adam and Eve, all of humanity was born. They have always taught it. And to make sure that you understand that they've always taught it, to make sure that you, my listening audience, understand that they've always taught it. <coughs> Excuse me. This week, in fact, the next episode, I'm going to begin... I'm not going to read the shorter decrees that are just like, hey, we're, hey, this is the schedule we're going to be on. But this week I'm beginning a series on the decrees of the Council of Trent. And I'm going to go through everything that they proclaim and everything that they anathematize. And I want you to listen to the series. Share it with your friends, with your family, with your priest. Because it's very likely he's never read any of this either. Or if he did, it's been so long ago, he's forgotten most of it. And I want you to ask yourself, how much of this do you believe? How much of this do you believe? How much of this does your priest believe? How much of this does the bishop believe? There are anathemas in here that were never revoked, that are still codified in the Code of Canon Law. And since we're about to get into a into an anathema sit battle between the traditionalists and the hierarchy, I'm of the opinion that you need to be prepared. So it's going to seem somewhat of a drier series. <clears throat> but each day I'm going to cover at least one of the decrees of the Council of Trent. And hopefully I'll also be able to do a news story for that day or something as well as the Spirit guides me. It may actually be that I just do the decrees of the Council of Trent and that's it. There are 25 decree. There are 25 sessions, 25 decrees. Um, the first one, we're probably, uh, I'll read the first one and probably the first two will go into one episode because there's nothing, there's, there's no spicy stuff. 
in the first two. It's mostly scheduling and calling the council together and all of that. But this week we begin. There's going to be a gap for Christmas. I won't be able to record Christmas Eve. Um, for obvious reasons, it's Christmas Eve. And I won't be able to record Christmas Day. For obvious reasons, it's Christmas Day. Um, from a logistical standpoint, it's mostly because I'll be on the road. But the first Sunday after Christmas, that night going into the Monday, we're going to start. We're going to carry it through. I think I could probably get them all done probably by two weeks, within within a week and a half after the Feast of the Epiphany. <clears throat> but I think it's actually fitting, given what's about to happen, that we actually come prepared. And putting it out on a podcast gives you an opportunity to hear somebody hear somebody say it, and I will and I will have the link where I'm citing it in the description, it'll be the link for each of the, for the decrees covered that day so that you, so that you can actually click on the link and listen and, and follow along with the reading and maybe take some notes. The emperor wanted the Pope Paul III to convene the council and fix the problems in the church. Paul III of holy memory said, no, we're starting with the doctrine and we'll get to the reforms when we get to them. And they did get to the reforms. You want to cure the disease, you start with the lack of faith. And then you work your way from there. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. May God bless you and the Virgin protect you. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen.